Hello there. My name is Ellie Angel Mobs. Welcome to another episode of Living with Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis. First and foremost, thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this podcast. We're getting lots of lovely messages saying that you're taking away lots of learnings by listening to this, making you feel loved and like you're not alone going through your endo journey. And this podcast is just one of the many free resources provided by Endometriosis Australia, who endeavour to promote education and increase recognition of this debilitating disease while funding new research into the causes, treatments and ultimately prevention of endometriosis. Together, we can transform the lives of one in nine endo warriors around Australia. Now, you can make a donation to help those affected by this insidious disease by visiting endometriosisaustralia.org today. Together, we can end endo. Now, one person who is helping to do just that by being a voice for Endometriosis Australia as an ambassador for Sarah Marie Cameron. She's a mate of mine. We were together in the radio biz. She's been through, wow, one heck of a ride from cervical cancer to endometriosis to a hysterectomy. She has been through the lot and she is here to share all that's happened. Please welcome Sarah Marie Cameron. Hello, thank you for having me. No worries. Any opportunity to chat with other women about endometriosis, which I think is such an important conversation to be having. And you may have noticed that we have more time on our hands at the moment. So <sighs> why not jump in a studio and talk about what's wrong with our bits? I know. We've got so much time to mull it all over. You are based in Melbourne and things slowly getting back to normal down there after being stuck in isolation for most of the year. How have you found it all? I've been so blessed because, like yourself, I work in radio at Triple M in Melbourne and they gave me the option really early to work from home if I wanted to. So they gave me these whiz-bang microphones and leads and everything. But my partner's working from home as well and he doesn't get the option to go into the office. Also, my housemate and his partner, they're also there quite often. We didn't want to be on top of one another and I thought, look, if I can still come to work, I will. And we kept checking in with everybody at work and it was safe for us to do so. And it meant that I had to sterilise the studio every single morning before I would kick off and sterilise when I was finished. And that's what I've been able to continue to do. So I have been so fortunate to leave the house, come to work and have that normality in my day. What's become abnormal is in the evening because I do stand-up comedy, mm. improv comedy as well, also hosting events. And then we went through Endometriosis Awareness Month yeah, we and couldn't we couldn't do even anything. do anything. So that was where it felt really weird because there's all these things, particularly with the Endomarch High Tea that we do, and you host one and I host the one down here in Melbourne. Yeah. That was where it was weird. Yeah, because we're just like, oh, well, this is National Endomarch Day. Yeah. I'll sit at home and I'll wear yellow. Um, yes, I know. I'll post it on socials. Yeah, I'll make my own little high tea. Now let's yeah. talk about your endo journey. When <laughs> There we go. We set off the air. We're not going to say the word journey and I haven't said it yet and I've already bloody dropped it. Well done, Ellie. It's just one of those <sighs> words. It sticks out it for me ever since Australian Idol. People yeah. are like, I just want to talk about my journey. Yeah. <laughs> Don't drink. Don't have a shot every time someone says journey on a reality TV show like that because oh, you'll you, be blind you afterwards. You'll be having a good time. <laughs> what is not a good time is your mm. endo struggles over the years. Yeah. And oh boy, girl, you've been through hell and back. Tell us, oh. when did it first start for you? 
I can't complain when I'm talking to you. I know exactly what you've been oh, through. Well, as we well. message each other. It's like, oh yeah, you're getting another lap. And she's like, yeah, yeah just going yeah. in for a check in. <laughs> just another clean out, guys. Yeah, we, we've been quite in sync with a few of yeah, our bits and pieces we, over yeah, the years. We really have been. So when did yeah. it first come into uh, your life? The endo uh, word. The thing for me was that I had such a messed up start to. Her you know, just having a period as a girl because I had a cyst on my ovary at the age of 13 wow. and they nearly whipped out my appendix because it was on my right side. So, you know, you're 13, you go into hospital, you're saying that you've got pain, it's come on really quickly and they go, oh, appendicitis, whip it out. And thankfully a doctor came running in going, hang on guys, she's got ovaries, have you scanned them? And it turned out I had a ruptured cyst mm. at 13. That's unheard of. So it was one of those chocolate cysts which are really, really nasty. Yeah, good times. And I just had no idea about it, nor did my parents. And mum had obviously struggled somewhat with her cycles over the years, but she never really thought much of it. Also, at that time, no one was talking about endometriosis. Like, we're going a bit back. Yes. So that was the start of my journey of having to see gynecologists and all these other specialists and you don't feel like that's normal in your teenage years and you're talking to your girlfriends about it and no one else is going through that stuff either. So I was quite confused and then diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that comes with that, you know, diet changes and potentially going on, on medication, which thankfully I didn't have to. And then I still had this other pain that I was suffering from and Everybody just kept saying, oh, it's PCOS, it's PCOS, it's PCOS. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was living overseas and I was in Canada and there was actually a couple of girls that I became friends with over there that struggled from endometriosis. In fact, one of the girls that I worked with at the radio station in a beautiful town called Canmore, she had endometriosis and we would talk about our cycles and she goes, babe, I think you've got it. Honest to goodness, like I swear. Mm. I ended up having a terrible, what I now know is a flare-up, and I ended up in Banff Hospital. Oh, and the, hosp- uh, the, the hospital staff were incredible. You oh, know, that's he's good. This Aussie over there, oh, I, had, I had insurance, don't worry. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> was going to be one of my questions, but wasn't sure. Yes. Yeah, no, I had it all there, and the doctors just took the time to talk to me, ask me questions, and... Sure enough, a month later, I'm back in with another flare-up. And the doctor's like, I swear, you've got to have endometriosis. The problem is your insurance isn't going to cover you to have a laparoscopy here in this country. So you're going to need to go home. And I went, oh, I don't want to go home. Just got here. I've got a good job and I want to leave. I'm having a great time in Canada, guys. Yeah, I was living in the Rockies. It was the best. Oh, I'm jealous. And I eventually had to come home because I just kept experiencing flare-ups and I was really struggling and I was just in so much pain. Anyway, I ended up coming home and landed a brilliant job in radio and, of course, just forgot to attend to my medical needs. Oh, no, you pushed <laughs> it aside, didn't you? Well, I, can't, I, I did go and see the doctors, but they weren't really pushing me to go and get anything done because as we know it takes such a long time to get diagnosed so I had to spend another couple of years presenting with you know more flare-ups and more issues and probably more ruptured cysts given the severity of the pain that I experienced over that time and it wasn't until I was about midway through 2009 I actually started to get symptoms for something else and it it turned out to be cervical cancer, which I was diagnosed with in the January of 2010. So when they were doing the laparoscopy to go in for that, Mm. because I had all these notes on my file, 
the gynecologist said, you know what, I think you've also got endometriosis. And I went, yeah, you're not the first person to say that. She said, look, can you just sign this waiver? We may need to take out more than what we think we do. And so I just signed the scariest waiver at 22 years old. Mm, and I bet that waiver involved a potential hysterectomy at the age yeah. of 22. Total hysterectomy as well, like ovaries, everything. Wow. So, and I signed it because I didn't know what was going on. And when I woke up, they said, look, yes, you had endometriosis there that we could see, pouch of Douglas, standard, standard. Oh, isn't that a fun one? <laughs> yeah, whatever on earth that pouch is, it's useless. And I don't even know who Douglas is. <laughs> you know, girls are always asking for pockets, but I don't need that pouch. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do. We just don't need endometriosis. We don't need there. that, please. And so I didn't have excision surgery because they were in there to do another job, which was obviously a very important job, get rid of my cancer. And yeah. they did, and that was great. And they said, look, we're going to have to really focus on this endo. And so then that started a whole other path for me. And it took me some time to find a specialist that could do excision surgery. Yes. And that came through, well, you actually, because you reached out to me and said you knew that I was struggling with endo put me in contact with Endometriosis Australia, mm. who we're both ambassadors for. And through that, that opened up a network of women that connected me to my gynecologist who then did the the next surgery and the next six. Wow. I oh, think, oh, really actually, good no, sorry, five. He did five, five wow. surgery because I had an emergency surgery that he couldn't make it for. Well, uh, you lose count after you know, a couple, yeah, I don't know how many I've done now. Yeah, you, honestly, you do, you're like, now, which time did I get septicemia? Was yeah. that, was it the first one in 2015 or the second one? <laughs> one of those ones. Yeah. So how are you feeling at the moment? Are you feeling good? Because you ended up, how long ago was it now? You ended up actually having a hysterectomy. I did. So I had a hysterectomy, which does not involve taking your ovaries out. If we're talking about a hysterectomy, that's just removing your uterus, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason why that had to happen was because my uterus was, was shot because I also had adenomyosis. Oh, I've got that one too, which is the fun cousin of endo. Yeah. How good which is it when you look at your report yeah. and they're like, you've got a bulky uterus. It's very unknown <laughs> in the world. Um, and I know when I had my first uh, lap, uh, Professor Michael Cooper looked at me and said, oh, you've got endometriosis, but you've also got this adeno... Ad I'm like, what the adeno... What, what's that? What's another meiosis thing? Yeah. And then he just said, basically, your uterus is like a badly bruised apple at the shops <laughs> and no one's going to ever want to buy it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's what beautiful. you want to hear. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. Yeah, that's no, great. No. So I had so many growths going on in there and that gave me a lot of day-to-day -day pain because as soon as I had my hysterectomy, I was like, oh my gosh, that pain that I never realised was there every single day is now gone. So that was a really incredible moment for me because I never realised how much pain I was in just because of the adenoid. And have you found that the hormonally you're affected or you weren't because you weren't actually taking the ovaries. So that oh. still keeps the hormones in. How did you feel after that? That Because that's a big, big operation. Well, everyone kept saying to me, oh, babies, 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 babies. And you're talking about a life that doesn't even exist. And I'm in front of you, falling to pieces, unable to function as a human being, stacking on weight because I can't move. Plus, you're also putting me on way too many painkillers right yeah. now that it's just not a good time for my kidneys and my liver. No, because your, kidney, your kidneys end up shooting through yeah, exactly. And you, you can't live the life that you want to live. And so you end up 
having these fights with doctors and counsellors to get checked off. And I'm like, guys, I'm alive in front of you right now living a pretty shit life. And you're trying to talk to me about a hypothetical baby that you want me to carry in a uterus that's also going to be questionable at the best of times. And and let's not forget the fact that I had cervical cancer, so I'd need to have the operation to reinforce me bits to hold a baby in there. That's what we're talking about right now. And I never felt like I was being valued What was being valued was the potential of having a baby. And that was actually the hardest thing, Mm. was fighting for your life and your quality of it. It's always the baby conversation that seems to be one thing that drives people with endometriosis a little bit crazy because the doctors, um, I know as well, that one of the first doctors I saw, he said, you know, I think you've got endometriosis. You should go and have a baby. And I just looked at him like, are you freaking serious, mate? I'm 24 at the moment. I haven't even thought about having kids. Yeah. And it's not that simple, especially if you've got the damage that I ended up having with the the adeno with the uterus. And it's like, well, I'm not thinking of this crap. Yeah. I know. And, and and they shouldn't be saying that to you anyway, because as we know, your specialist says the same thing as my specialist. Having a baby is not a cure for endometriosis. It's not a hundred or two hundred no. years ago where you're having babies frequently no. over a decade, you know, and the, and that might help maybe, but it, it's not a cure because there isn't a cure for endometriosis, yeah. and, and it is that simple. And another thing to hysterectomy, it's not a cure for you. No. You're feeling better, but it's still no cure. Which some people think, oh, just go get a hysterectomy; that'll fix it. It's like no, yeah. <laughs> No, as I say, it it helped me big time with my adenomyosis and endometriosis. It's still in me and I've still got issues and I've got to work really hard at looking after my body now. Mm. But I'm not sad that I made the decision because I've still got my ovaries Mm. and I can still get my eggs. So the operation was just removing my uterus and also the fallopian tubes as well, given that I'd had a tumour in my fallopian tubes. So it was just safer to do so. But my ovaries... are intact. My hormones took a little bit to to settle. And by a little bit, I mean, they took about 20 kilos because that's about how much I put on after the hysterectomy. So I put on a bunch of weight with all the other laparoscopies and then also with the hysterectomy. So then I had to embark on my mission to lose about 40-odd kilos. Mate, so and you're looking, now. you're looking incredible. You are looking so fit. And I see on your Instagram you are constantly working out. You're getting into yoga. And you yeah. look the best that you ever have, I think. Thank you, babe. It's amazing because I feel like I've got a life now. What I realised in my 20s was I had a super fit and active teenage section of my life. And I did scouts and guides and hiking and camping and was a competitive swimmer, very low grade, but still, you know, I was on the swimming squad and cross-country squad and athletics squad at school. I just lived for sport. That's my thing. And then I just got to this point where I was on the couch every single day. I was like, this is awful. I just want to go and kick the footy or play cricket or do something or go for a hike. So now I'm chomping at the bit because I've lived through so many years of not being able to do anything. So when the parks opened back up in Victoria with the restrictions of Rona, I went for a hike. I was like, see you guys. I went and had a hike because I just needed some me time because I love it. And I'm able to put that effort into my body. My body deserves to be appreciated right now because I'm so blessed to move. And when you can't move, you know that when you're having a great day, use it. And that's for me what I must do. And it's one of my mantras 
I'm having a great day, take advantage of that great day. Yeah, I, and I love that mantra as well because you do go through so many emotions. It's like a roller coaster, and when you know when you're in a lot of pain, it can make you extremely emotional and down. Mm. And it's like grab those good days by the horns and just get out there and make the most of it. That's great. And I still have bad days. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've got to stretch. And that's where yoga has been such a blessing in my life as well. You know, it's funny. I had so many people tell me when I was in my early twenties, when I was just having the conversations about the fact that I may have endometriosis, but wasn't diagnosed at that time. A lot of people saying to me, you know what you should do? You should change your diet mm-hmm. and you should do yoga. And a couple of bits of information. And I didn't listen to a thing. No, of course you don't. You're young. No. You think, no, it's totally fine to continue to, you know, eat what I'm eating and I don't need to do yoga. Who does yoga? That's right. Isn't it amazing how my mum tells me I should be doing yoga and here I am. I've done one class. Oh, I look, I'm not so much it. of a classist. Do it at home. Yeah, I need to be watching it on Zoom or YouTube. And and I know that uh, Professor Jason Abbott, who is the you know, medical director for Endo Australia, he tells all his patients, get into yoga, do those things that will make you feel good, that are low mm. impact on your body. Yeah, well, this is why I walk and hike mm. rather than run because it is low impact and you're moving. And I remember one of the Endo March high teas that we had A couple of years ago, there was a physiotherapist there that specialised in working with women with endometriosis, and she had the slogan, motion is lotion, and it's just stuck with me. And she said at the high tea, you know, you can just jump on YouTube and find videos. They're completely free. And that was just another one of those penny drop moments where you're like, you know what, a lot of people can complain that. It's too expensive to go and get the treatment that you need. But on the internet, so much information is there. So a lot of the workouts that I do, they're just on YouTube. I'll just go 10-minute arm workout or I'll go 15-minute pelvic floor stretch. You put it into YouTube and there will be a plethora of videos for you to choose from. And it's there and it's free and you can do it in the comfort of your own home. And the moment that you start to integrate that into your life and it becomes just a normal part of your day or week. It doesn't need to be every day because I'm not perfect. Mm. Like I don't meditate every day, but I'll do it a couple of times a week. But if you can just start doing that, the change it makes, it's just gigantic. Motion is lotion. That is going to be my new mantra. I love that idea. That's a really, really good one. We know that we can't let those adhesions adhere and we know that the damage that they can do is irreversible. Mm. And that's the, the adhesions is now the one thing that causes me the most grief. And I'm like, oh, just yeah. chop them out. You don't realise, you think, oh, yeah, I have the surgery. I'll get the excision excision done. Mm-mm, the scarring, will, oh, that's the one I'm battling and it just sucks. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. People go, oh, I need another laparoscopy. And it's like, hang on no, a second. don't. <laughs> don't do it because you've got to recover from that. And then there's scar tissue. So... You know, have you tried absolutely everything? And I had to be accountable for that as well. There had to be a point where I went, all right, I've gone in and I've had to have plenty of emergency surgeries, you know, so many ruptured cysts and things that just needed to be done. And I had to have my bowel operated on twice. And I thought, I can't keep going down this path. I just can't. So that's when I started to really integrate Eastern and Western medicine. Mm. And I utilised the services and the knowledge of my gynecologist, as I do going and seeing um, my Chinese traditional medicine practitioner as well. Mm. 
And I use both of them equally as important as, as one another. But then the other thing was I also changed to a low FODMAP diet. Okay. I've heard amazing things about the FODMAP. Oh, what a game changer. Oh, okay. I can't drop the coffee. You're not meant to have coffee on low FODMAP. No, we need, we <laughs> need coffee to function and talk on the radio. <laughs> so I have one long black in the morning and that is it because uh, dairy was something that I had to get rid of as well. That was just no good for me. And there were other things that I slowly reintroduced. Like if you're going to go hardcore low FODMAP, you're not meant to have avocado, but you can slowly reintroduce things in when you realise that that does not set you off. I was able to, on the low FODMAP diet, pinpoint the things that set me off and make me look like I'm in my second trimester. Oh, yeah, it's not a good look, is it? No. So, you know, diet change was a massive one for me. And within that, like, you can still eat meat, but I chose to come off meat. So I'm a full vegetarian now as well, and I don't eat fish either. So there was a massive diet change there. And then there had to be a mental change. You know, I just had to be on top and accountable for what was going on and being able to keep track of what my body is doing and also keeping contact with my practitioners. Like no one's dropping off the edge of a cliff. Like you need to maintain that communication because we are a risk of having something happen that is going to be bad down the track and I need to be open to the fact that I may need another laparoscopy. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, ensuring that you are taking care of yourself and if you don't feel right, then go to a doctor. And Mm. I think that from the very get-go, if you are listening to this or you've got a daughter uh, who is experiencing the painful periods and she just doesn't seem right, she's missing out on a lot of school, take her to the GP and start that conversation. And if you don't get the um, answer you want or you don't believe that the doctor is giving you the right diagnosis, they look at you and go, oh, endometriosis, that's not a thing, then go and get a second opinion. Go and do your research and and look around because there's no point struggling through it like uh, you and I have done over the years. Yeah, there's absolutely no need. We're in our 30s now and this is the advantage that other generations of girls and women have. They've got the internet and they've got an online community already. So you can jump on Facebook. There's support networks there. There's other forums. And if someone has said, oh, so-and-so GP in this area is really great for girls and women who are struggling with maybe it's endometriosis or something else, you know, go and see them. That's that referral process. And it is there. And thankfully, you can just do a really quick search online to get there. And I just think it's really important. I came to the realisation that I have got something that is incurable. However, there is so much information out there for me to be able to do the best that I can to manage it without having too many operations or too much medication. Whereas I've got other friends that suffer with Crohn's disease or lupus Mm. and their treatment plan is non-negotiable. You know, they're having another operation and they're having plenty of pills every single day. And they're in their 20s and they're having more pills than my dad who's had a couple of strokes and a heart attack. That scares me. And I just thought, I don't want that. I just don't want to be that person on all of those meds. And I don't want to be the person that's getting ready for another laparoscopy. I have got to do everything within my power. And if that means having a long black instead of a latte, then that's a good start. It's a very good start to make. And saying yeah. goodbye to avocados. Oh, I don't know if I can, but if it, if it made you feel better, then maybe I should give it a red hot go.
It, again, it, it comes down to what is going to trigger you. We have mm-hmm. all got our different triggers that bloat us. Thankfully for me, Avo isn't one of them, but I don't have onion. I don't have garlic. Mm. I don't have tomato. I don't have anything acidic. I know that a lot of people go, oh, my gosh, you're missing out on onion. I'm like, yeah, but you know what I'm also missing out on? Endo flare-ups. Mm-hmm. I'm actually able to be here sitting in front of you having this conversation and socialise and not be curled up on the couch with my hot water bottle. Yes, I can wear high-waisted jeans. <laughs> Oh, what a moment that must have been for you when you're actually able to and not fear that you're going to get the bloody endo belly. Yeah, because I thought it was normal that you just hit a point in the day that you couldn't wear them anymore. So I just didn't wear high-waisted jeans for, I don't know, five or six years. And then people started to say to me, you know, that's not normal. That's just you. And then I realised, oh, no, that's me endo belly there. Yes. That old thing. Well, it's great to hear that you are feeling so much better and you have put in all of these practices in place to ensure that your future is going to be absolutely amazing. Um, You have been through such an incredible medical history for what you've been (laughs) through and just listening to you now, you're such a positive human being and, and there's so much to admire about you, Sarah Marie Cameron. Thank you so, so much. Straight back at you, I have never heard a bad word about you and we know how tiny this radio industry is. You are truly one of the women who lift up other women and your heart is unbelievably large. I don't know how you are able to maintain the genuine connections that you do, but you are always there. I know know that I can always message you and I'm sure you've got other people within your life that feel the same. You are an absolute ray of sunshine and I'm incredibly thankful to, you know, have you do this podcast, facilitate it for our endo warriors that need it. And I feel very thankful and honoured to join you on it. So I thank you for reaching out and asking me to be part of it. We should have more chats like this, open and honest conversations, because that is what this is all about. There's no hiding behind curtains with this chat. So thank you. No, I know. No more hiding. Let's just get it out and talk about our bits and say period <laughs> without questioning. Oh, oh my yeah. God, I'm talking about a period. Talk about our endo journey. <laughs> on that note, we're going to go and have some tequila. Woo! Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to another episode of Living With Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis. What I'd love for you to do is to share this around with your friends, with your family, with workmates. Educate those around you about this insidious disease that affects one in nine women in Australia. You can always visit the Endometriosis Australia website for the latest information to get your facts around endo endometriosisaustralia.org. We cannot wait to share with you some more exciting episodes in coming weeks. Have a great day and stay safe.